Today's episode is going to be pretty different than any episode I've ever done because my coach, Rick Mulready, the host of The Art of Online Business, and my mentor, the person who taught me everything I know about ads, and just an awesome, amazing dude, is going to be on the podcast. And I'm not interviewing him. He's interviewing me. And I had no idea the questions that he was going to ask. And we got pretty personal. So you're going to hear a lot of behind the scenes of my business, what I go through as a mom, as a business owner, and all the troubles I have and the emotions I have around business and a lot about my background. And so I hope you love this episode and stay tuned until the end because we're doing a giveaway for you to win some pretty freaking cool prizes. Welcome to the Serve Scale Soar podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping service-based entrepreneurs scale their online business to five-figure months so they can soar into six-figure years. Your host, Brandy, is a wife, mom, and in less than one year, created a six-figure business. And now she is spilling all her secrets so you can too. Welcome, Serve Scale Store family. I am so excited to have my coach, Rick Mulready, and the host of The Art of Online Business today joining us. And we're actually flipping the script. He's actually going to be interviewing me, which a little nervous about. But before we flip that, Rick, how about you tell my listeners just about who you are as a person and your business? Who is Who I am as a person? Yeah, we want to know life, not just business. Life. As, I'm, as, you're, as you're like doing that intro and like, rubbing my hands together, like dive, ready to dive into this interview here. <laughs> as I'm a little roll, nervous. As you roll your eyes. Everybody listening, what's up, my friends? First of all, we're on Zoom right now, so I can see Brandy's facial expressions. She cannot hide. She cannot hide during this interview. But me as a person, I am an entrepreneur. I'm a dad. I'm a dad first. I'm a, a husband, dad to a 14-month-old light of my life, Maya, and uh, it's just amazing. We just recently moved here to, we just bought a new house and we've been living in San Diego for, oh, I've been here five years now. And we just bought our first house. We moved to the suburb, something that my wife and I thought we would never do. But as you know, Brandy, having a small child changes everything. So we moved to suburbia. It's like dead silent outside, but we live in an amazing neighborhood with kids all around and great schools and really loving it. And I've been doing this entrepreneurship thing now for, geez, I had my business now for six years officially, but I've been looking at trying to start a business since 2010. That's when I decided that I wanted to start my own thing. And then in the fall of 2012, I left the corporate world to start my own thing, but things didn't really get going until 2014. Very cool. And for our listeners, so Rick is actually how I got started with Facebook and Instagram ads. I took his FB ad manager course and I originally found him on his very first podcast, which was like something about social media. Inside social media. Yeah. Cause I was doing organic and searched and found you and then the art of paid traffic and mm-hmm listened. And then I was that annoying person who was begging to get in your course when it was closed. And now you are my coach. So, but I want to clarify that though, because you say begging to get in my course, but, and you weren't annoying in any way. You got on my radar though, by doing that. And I think that's a great lesson for everyone listening is like, you know, one of the things that we're going to talk about today that you brought up at a recent retreat 
was you can be frustrated sometimes because you want to grow your network and you are a very driven person. And that's a, you know, that's a, that's a good thing, but you can also be impatient <laughs> like, like so many of us can. Right. And so one of the things that you were talking about and that we're going to dive into today was like, how do you grow your network? Well, one of the ways to do that is to get on the radar of people that you want to connect with. And, you know, quote unquote, bugging somebody to, about their course, being like, hey, when is it open? I want to give you my money. That's a great way, you know, to do it. And then once you were in the course, you were sharing the results that you got. You were really active in the Facebook group and all that stuff. So that's a really good, really good lesson for people out there who are looking to, quote unquote, get on the radar of people. And everyone has heard about you a lot on this podcast, especially about conferences and how impactful that they can be. So not only getting on people's radar by yeah. being a student in their courses, but also showing up at live events. Yeah. And that's when we really connected was when it was at the ConvertKit conference. And yeah. so having that coffee and joining the mastermind and also re-recording the podcast. Yep. And that wasn't that long ago. I mean, we're recording mm -hmm. this right now in February of 2020. And that was what, May, May of last year? Yeah. So, I mean, less than a year ago. And you've been in the mastermind, you've been on my podcast a couple of times, and you've really put yourself out there from a, hey, I'm here to play guys, basically, which I love and I think is so important. And so I, I want to dive right into the meaty stuff. Okay. Okay. So, Something that you have struggled with is balancing your work and your personal life. This is something that we all go through, I think. Tell us more about that. Tell us the kind of the struggles that you have there. And guys, she just crossed her arms as I'm asking her this question, <laughs> so, which I love. And so that means we're getting into something good here. Now, I think this is something, in all honesty, I think this is something that so many of us can relate to that you've been, you know, pretty open about chatting about. And so what's that been for you? What's that boundary that you have a hard time creating for yourself between your business and your, and your personal slash family life? Right. So I think it was much easier to a certain extent when I was only offering services and Riley was also at a point where she was a baby and like, I had to take care of her. She couldn't fend for herself. So at that point it was like nap time hustle, late night, that type of thing. And so it was easier to have the family work balance because she was at the age. Well, then I think it really happened where I started struggling is when Austin came home, like mm -hmm. he wasn't working anymore. And then she got to a point where she was older and Austin turned into her pretty much main provider during the day instead of me. And we flipped the role. And then it got to a point where I am very driven and I like to win. And so uh, it came to a point where it was like, it was hard to turn off because mm. it was like, oh, I can do this and this and this and this, and we can have this. And I like to be active in the terms of like, I'm good at business. And so that's easy where sometimes when it comes to like emotion and things like that, that doesn't come easy for me. So it's easier to pour myself into my work instead of focusing on the things that I'm not good at. Not good at meaning like, give us an example. So like if not necessarily like with Riley, but let's say like we're trying to decide how to discipline Riley and my husband has one view and I have one view. It's just easier for me just not to talk about it or mm. get into the fight, but like, just be like, you deal with it. I'll like 
work because I want to be the fun parent because I work all day. Like, and so instead of like actually addressing it or saying, Oh, I'm just going to go work. So then I don't have to deal with it type thing. And then also just like, you know, you have where life isn't just always going the way you want it. And so Mm -hmm. it's easier to throw yourself into work because it's something I'm good at instead of necessarily focusing on what's not working. So how has that been with Austin, where if you tend to use the business as a crutch, if you will, because I think you said something really key there, like you're good at your business and we're going to talk more about that, but you're good at your business. You know, it's, it's almost like something that you, that you feel like you can control. It's like, I have this thing over here I can control. I can't control this over here, or I feel like I can't control it. So I'm going to put the wall up against that thing I can't control and come over here to the area that I can control. And this is not uncommon, by the way. I've done this myself in the past as well. And I know other people who, have, who do this as, as well. But where, how has this affected you in Austin as far as like the dynamic of your family and you, know, you being the entrepreneur and bringing the income and, and the, that dynamic and everything? Yeah, I think, so I feel like we're just getting out of it. So like the transition, cause that was in August and now it's February. And I feel like December is when we really hit our stride, like knowing like it can't all be on him when it comes to Riley's care. Not in the sense, like I still take care of my daughter, but I want to be the fun parent because of course there's this little bit of mom guilt. That's like, Hey, you work during the day in your office. And so there's been conversations that have had to happen. We make sure that I take a break during her nap time. So it's just Austin and I, and we get that time. And then we've been incorporating like every Saturday and Sundays. Now I'm not working. That was a big thing is taking off the weekends and like really taking it off. And some of the clients that I had, I had to let go because they weren't on board with those same boundaries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was my fault because I was allowing them to communicate with me on the weekends. And so just setting like, Hey, Saturday and Sunday are for us and our family. I take a two hour break when she naps to spend with him. Now we go outside and like tan and stuff. Now that we're at the house, just making sure that I'm not taking my laptop to bed. That's been a big thing. Now I take an iPad, but I'm not doing work on an iPad. It's like, I don't work on my iPad. The iPad's like YouTube videos and stuff like that. And it's very different than up all night working just to be working when I don't necessarily need to. So I think it's just been finding like, like I don't have to be on all the time. Do you feel like when you are not quote unquote on from a business perspective that you are, do you feel like you're missing out? Do you feel like something is, ooh, this this might happen if I'm not quote unquote on, on the business perspective? No. And I think that's the hardest part is because I don't feel like I'm missing anything. It's mm-hmm. more like I love it so much. So it's not necessarily I'm missing because I can come out to the mastermind yep. and like turn off and everything's like fine. And I don't feel like I'm missing anything, but then I'm still working, but it's like, I just love it so much. One of the things that we talked about that kind of aligns with this topic here is self-care. And this is something that, frankly, I have struggled with, especially over the past 15 months, because since becoming a dad is like having a newborn baby and now an infant, like it throws everything, your schedule all crazy and, you know, you're trying to run a business and all that stuff. So this is something that you and I talked about several months ago in 2019 
how has that gone for you? And this is more like, all right, taking a break to whatever, go for a walk, get a massage, go do something fun, whether it's for, you know, yourself or with Austin, whatever that might be. And I know you just talked about, you have a break now, you take a break when during nap time, what's been the self-care portion of that for you? Right. So when we talked about it, this in 2019 and I did it for like a week, that was it. But coming into 2020, I think it's like that whole like fresh start type deal. But for us, it really was the big thing for me is we have the Peloton, but I was like avoiding the Peloton because once again, it was something I wasn't good at anymore, like per se, because I wasn't on the leaderboard and it was very much that. So now I've been getting on the Peloton. We got this other, it's a butt machine that the Kardashians recommend, a workout thing. And yeah, it's amazing. It's the DB method, but it's just like an exercise thing and it takes 10 minutes. So I get on that. I've been doing the Peloton. We got Apple watches. So it's like feeding my competitive, like we're making it very gamifying self-care. So like my husband and I do the seven day fitness thing together where we're Mm -hmm. competing. So like, you better believe I'm standing up when my watch tells me to stand up. I'm like doing laps in my office. And I also did that app Noom and I'm loving it. It's very gamified. It's called Noom. N-O-O-M. They have commercials, but it takes you. I've heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. They take you through like the psychology of changing your behaviors and eating healthy and all this. And that's been really helpful because once again, every morning I wake up and it's like an online course, there's quizzes. So just incorporating, like finding out that just saying self-care for me. Yeah doesn't work. Like thinking about taking a bath or relaxing sounds awful to me, but when I can turn it into like a game, then it's been like, I think that was the big thing for me is just finding something that made it not so much feel like self-care is like a game. Well, I mean, whatever you call it, what you're describing right. is self-care, right? Self-care Absolutely. Umpteen million definitions, right? Like I'm going to go do Reiki on Monday night for the first time. I've never had Reiki before. I really don't know what to expect, but like, that's a form of self-care for me. I have an appointment for that. You do? I'm getting it done when we get back from Virginia. So yes. All right. It's a 90 minute thing with like an intake and then a Reiki session and crystals. And I'm so excited about it. But anyway, that's a form of self-care, right? Yeah. I I love, like, you got to tell the story real quick about you're, you're so competitive. Is Austin as competitive as you? So we say he's like stealth mode competitive because if you met him, you would be like, oh, you're not competitive. But then he's the person that wins putt-putt and is like, I crushed you. And you're like, where did this come from? So he talks smack. Not till the end. Like he's like dead silent. And then we get to the end. And so, yes, he is competitive, but very stealth mode. And I wonder if that's because I grew up very competitive. He played lacrosse, but his family's not competitive. So I wonder how much of it is actually me that's rubbed off on him the last 12 years. Well, yes. (laughs) Yes. So yes, we are a very competitive family. Like going from the store to who can get to the car the fastest competitive. Oh my God. Yeah. It's pretty intense. Yeah. Like we play Jeopardy every night. Like it's a very competitive household. (laughs) Only imagine how your daughter's going to be. Oh yeah, it's going to be ridiculous. <laughs> so recently, you were a little bit behind in your Peloton contest, your daily contest, and what was it like eleven thirty at night yeah. or something like that? Absolutely. And you're like, oh, I have thirty minutes to win, basically. And so, what did you do? 
Yeah. So I got on the Peloton and closed my rings. These Apple watches are like intense, like they're intense because they track mine. I can see my results and Austin's results and he can see mine. So there's no like cheating. You have to like, it's legit. So you get on there at 1130 at night and you're like, I got to win. Yeah. And I I have to win today. Yeah. I mean, and it's not so much winning today. He goes and runs and then also gets on the Peloton. So then that's been another challenge is like, okay, so you have time to run Peloton. And then for a long time, I was just blaming him that like, I don't have that time. Mm. And it came where I was like, and this is when we were figuring out where he wasn't working anymore. So we had time to run and get on. And I felt like, uh, I'm like gaining weight instead of like losing it and you're losing weight and being angry towards that. And then that was just a mindset shift that had to happen that like, actually I do have time to do this stuff. And then yeah. also being happy for him that he now has the freedom to do these things. Yeah. Were you resentful of yeah. him that because you were working and he was in your mind, he's not working, but yet he's watching your daughter all day. No, it wasn't that. It came all down to like the fitness aspect of it. Like, oh, you're going out and running. It wasn't like you're not doing anything because I know how hard it is to take care of a child. So I totally 100% appreciate him because I would not be able to do what I do without him. But it was like, for some reason, it was all about the workout stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's when we got the watches is when that communication happened. And I like was like, I need you to stop working out or I need to start working out. So that's the options here. Do you think that the whole competitive nature that you have played into that? Oh, 100%. Okay. And it was really reading the book, Atomic Habits. Yeah, that like, James Clear. Yeah, that was when I came home, I was reading it on a flight and I was like, you know, here's what, how I feel and I'm going to make some habits, but I need you to help me with these habits. And so that's when like the Apple watch came in and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's progress there on communication with Austin. So because you came home from the, from your trip and you read this book and you're like, Hey, I'm going to do this. I need your support. Will you support me in this? That's awesome. I want to go back to something that you said about not working on the weekends and basically letting clients go that didn't align with that. That can be a really hard thing as a service provider because you're like, your mind kind of does tricks on you, but especially now you're not early in the game, but if you're early in the game and you're coming to that point where you're like, you know what, I need to let clients go because X, Y, Z reason, that can be a really scary thing because a lot of people are in the mindset of, I need to generate this revenue. How was that for you in letting them go? Did you have kind of fears like, oh, am I going to be able to make that up? Am I going to be able to bring more clients in that align with my values and what I'm trying to do? Or was it like sayonara? I don't mean sayonara. Like, like yeah. you know what? Like, I, I got to clear this space. This is the right thing to do. And I feel good about it. Well, first off, this was on me because I allowed this to happen because in my contract and everything, it has the office hours, like when I'm available, when I'm not available. And I let them box me on the weekends and make that I responded, which showed them that it was okay. And so the first part was telling them like, Hey, I'm not going to be 
around on the weekends anymore. And they didn't like that or respect that because Mm. our relationship had always been where they could communicate with me on the weekend. And so at that point it just made sense. And I handed them off to other people that that aligned with their business model. And also at this point, I think I was at a different place in my business where I didn't necessarily need that revenue. So it did make it easier. But if I did need the revenue, I probably wouldn't have released them so quick. I would have replaced them before I released them. Mm -hmm. But also knowing that you set the boundaries with your clients and I let the boundaries slide and that gave them the okay. What would you say to that person, that service provider who's listening right now, who, you know, is at a point where they have a client that just completely draining them or, or multiple clients, they're just draining their energy they know deep down that like, I need to get rid of this client, but there's the fear there of what we were just talking about of like, I don't want to get rid of them because I need that revenue. What would you say to that, to that person? Before you like just drop them, I would really take an evaluation of what is your marketing minutes look like. And we've talked about the marketing minutes on the episode and we'll link up to that. But First off, you have to make sure that you are actually doing the amount of marketing for your services to support if you let them go before you replace them, that you can get them back. Also, is it going to be a financial burden where you're so stressed that you can't find another client because you're just so stressed and it's like so time consuming? But then the other side of that, if they're so draining, what would happen if you let them go? So one of our Serve Scale Soar members said she was spending 30 hours a month with a client that was just like draining and like taking so much of her energy and time and she was not getting paid very much at all. And I was like, what could you do with 30 minutes of marketing minutes? Like, holy cow, you could probably add five new clients at your new prices. So it also comes to that, like, look at how much time they're taking, how much you're getting paid. And if you let them go and replace that, with marketing minutes and new clients, you can probably replace them with more clients and more revenue than you were working with them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what's your goal? What's your goal with your business? So my immediate goal for 2020 is a million. And then, but I think the big thing is like, for me, it's just creating a really fun experience filled life for my family. Mm-hmm. So when I started, it was about putting food on the table and now it's really about us traveling and creating experiences and just being in our like happiness zone, experiencing life together and having choices. So like if we want to homeschool, we have that choice. Or if we want to like go to Italy for 10 days, we have that choice. And so just creating a life of choices, but then also of course the revenue is a million for this year. And then my big thing is just helping service providers because there's no one in the space that's really there to help them grow. It's all about creating a course or running ads or like you have to have a membership, but no one's there just helping people that want to just like provide one-on-one services. So I want to break that down and I'm going to start with the easier one first for you. Okay. (laughs) You're welcome. Why is that important to you? Why is it important to help service providers create a business? I came in with someone, they got you started, but I felt like there was a lot of stuff too. Like we don't need to focus on like brand boards and all this stuff. And then taking the Facebook ad manager helped me up level my skill. But mm-hmm. there was no one that said like, hey, you can like scale this business and you don't have to like do all these launches and all this. And I had a really hard time just figuring out like, systems and proposals and all of that. And at that point, I didn't want to create a course or anything. I just wanted to grow a business without having a team. 
and there was no one to help me. And now the bigger one is bringing Austin home was never part of the plan, but it ended up. And now we have other members that are bringing their spouses home or coming home themselves. And that's like, holy cow. Now we're creating this whole generation that's going to have two parents at home where like when I was growing up, both parents worked outside of the home and that was the norm. So I think it's really interesting that now in my generation that both parents can be at home with their kids. Do you communicate that in your messaging? I don't. Because that's key. Like that is a huge, that should be part of your vision, your values, your why for doing what you're doing in serving service providers. One reason, because that's, that's awesome because you are, and you and I talked about this a lot and I talk about it on throughout everything I do, but the ripple effect. So your ripple effect in essence is helping all these kids grow up with the ability to have their parents around because you are teaching the parents or, you know, one, one of them, or, or you're just giving them the opportunity to have a business at home, to have the business with flexibility, to bring in great revenue, to your point, give them choices and so forth. Like that's awesome. And so coach Rick hat for a second, if you're not, if you're not using that in your messaging, like you absolutely should be because so many people can relate to that and be like, Oh my, yes, I want that. And I think that's so, so important. Now let's go to the, the, the more, in my mind, the more difficult question for you as I shake my hands together. Why a million dollars? In full uh. disclosure, everybody listening, at a recent retreat from my mastermind, I put Brandy on the spot for this exact question. So we're going to dive into this a little bit. Why is a million dollars so important to you? I've just come to terms that I'm not going to feel bad about this anymore. It is because I want to be a seven-figure business owner. Like, I just want that title. And I know with that title will come more choices for my family, impacting more lives. But like, I'm doing that now. Like you said, Mm -hmm. like, I don't have to have a million to have a backyard for Riley. Mm -hmm. But like, I want the seven-figure title. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that where it gets like a little bit slippery slope for people, not slippery slope, but like, you you know, people say like, I want a seven-figure business. I want a million-dollar business. And it's like, well, why? And they're like, well, because that's what people, that's what they hear. You know, that's what they hear that people, that's like what the goal was. And I was that person too. And look, I'm not like discounting it, but I hit it in four years and it was amazing. But then for me, it was just like, uh, okay, what's like, what's next? You know, and it brings up a whole new host of things in the business and your life and stuff like that. And so I just want to make sure that you have a good reason for it. And there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you own the reason cool. I want to be a seven figure business owner because of the opportunities that it brings and, and all this other stuff. Do you enjoy the process? Oh, I love it. Along the way. Well, we're only on month two as we're recording this. So I may change my mind. So I did an income report. My first one, I was terrified and well, it's going to be on the podcast and I did it live because everyone was asking for it. And that was terrifying, but that was a really good month. This month is probably going to be a little bit lower than I anticipated. And so I went back and forth on like, do I do another one? And it's coming to like, yes, if I'm going to be transparent, I just can't be transparent when we're like doing a hundred thousand dollars a month. Like I need to be transparent. And I think it's really good because it shows like the service part of my business stays steady, but the core side is not always like a steady road. And so 
I'm excited now for this journey just to document it and ask me in six months if I'm still enjoying the process and hopefully I I still will be, but I'm excited now that I'm going to be documenting it as I go. Now, when you say documenting it, documenting it from the perspective of what? Aside from your revenue and all that stuff, like, are you... So in the income reports, I talked about like what worked, what didn't work, what was going on in my mind. And now I know this month I've been journaling like through this launch that's not going well. Like, I don't only talk about the numbers, but I talk about the behind the scenes stuff. So like all the lessons we learned and the things that we would have improved and things like that as well. So as we're talking right now, you are in, I'm looking at my calendar, what you're in day three or four of your launch three. Of launch right now is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, four, day four. So you're, you're on day four right now. Mm-hmm. You had your first two webinars on Tuesday, yep. one on Wednesday. You voxered me after the 9am one and you were in a complete breakdown. Yeah. Like, Oh my God, this launch is a failure. And I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, aren't we like day one of launch <laughs> with two more webinars to go in six more days or whatever? And you've had a tough time with this launch and it's I not have. even over, right? You still have right. two and a half more full days to go. What's been going on? What's, what's the reason why you don't feel good about this launch so far? Well, coming into it, I thought it was just going to be like easy. And I don't know why, like not easy, but like not a ton of effort. We're just going to rinse and repeat what we've done. I wasn't really posting on social because we had all this stuff with moving and everything in the family. And so getting into it, I rely so heavily on my webinar and we get into the first one and we have a troll, which I've never experienced. Like I run ads all year. And one time I've had someone like say, oh, I had to get click six buttons just to find out it was $67. Like that's about as troll as I've ever experienced. So like, I don't get troll comments. That person was very nice. I know. So like, I don't get stuff. And then on this webinar, I can like see that there's not good stuff going on in the chat, but I don't exactly know what happens. And then I see like a big drop off, which we usually have people stay till the end always. And then there was like a big drop off at the middle part. And I was confused. And then at the end, we only had a 5% conversion and I'm used to having over 20% conversion and we had a troll and I think it really messed up our conversions because a lot of people left that normally stay. And then there was a lot of like wonderful people that were trying to defend me, but it was just like stirring up more and then more people jumped in with the troll and it was just like, it was just a hot mess and very distracting for people. So it just didn't go as well as they normally do. So the whole launch has been affected. And for you, it was distracting for you because you know, as you were doing the webinar, you're like checking in with everybody who's listening and watching and you're checking out the chat and you're seeing this disturbance, if you will, go on that throws you off your game, which as we've talked about is completely normal in anybody, even the quote unquote big names out there who say that this stuff doesn't affect them is completely BS. Like that is a hundred percent fault because it affects everybody. And what was one thing I said to you after what was the first thing I said to you when you boxered me that to tell me that you had troll? I feel like you said that, do you know what this means? Yep. That's what you said. And then I said, like, (laughs) I feel, (laughs) I think I said, I think you're going to tell me something very woo right now. And and I didn't No. but I said, this means that you've made it. Cause if you're not up to big things and this is, this is something for everybody listening. 
if you're not up to big things in your business, then you're not going to have people trolling you like that or making comments. And it stinks, right? It's the worst. And it hurts. It can hurt. But it's all about them, their insecurity. They want what we have, but they ha- and they have to tear people down because they're of their insecurities of themselves. But it is hard, you know, and especially when it happens in your first webinar and it's on day one of your launch and it's like, oh, this launch is, you know, is the worst. And I want to share a little bit of what, what I told Brandy today, actually. So Brandy has had success in her business from pretty much day one, you know, both on the service providing standpoint on the Facebook ad side and in her membership program like really out of the gates, very successful. Whereas that's not super normal. It normally takes people, especially on the membership side, to ramp up to that. And to say that I, quote unquote, only had 5% conversion on a webinar, when 5% is actually quite normal. Her 20% or 20% plus is not normal. Like that is like, that's really, really high. And so something that I've noticed about Brandy is she has very high expectations and there's nothing wrong with that. But if those expectations are not met, it's a bit of a breakdown. And I think, I mean, you told me here that this has been a big learning experience for you during this launch. Like what are some of those lessons that you've been learning? Well, I think just like with this one, the first one is, holy cow, Janessa needs to be like, as a panelist, it's just little stuff like that. And I looked at it like, thank goodness I know this now because now I tell my mastermind like, Hey, make sure you have someone as a panelist. We've never experienced this. And I didn't know this was like a thing. And so now like just simple systems like that to have in place. So that doesn't happen again. One, we're just learning that the atmosphere is changing with like messenger bots. So we're looking at all of our numbers. So like messenger bots, for some reason, we're only at like 60% deliverability. And I'm like, what the heck? We've always had a hundred. Where the heck are they going? It's supposed to be going to messenger. So like things like that, we tried a Facebook group and I don't know if that was the right route. So like, I don't know if we'll do that again for us. Mm -hmm. And then also just learning that there's things that I've let slide like my sales page that I knew wasn't great, but I knew my webinar was. And so my numbers across the board. So I'd kind of got lazy when it came to all the moving parts. Like I was looking at my numbers as a whole instead of individuals and being like, okay, I could technically pay someone to fix my copy. I could redo a sales page design that I know is more like aesthetically pleasing and things like that. And just letting it slide because I didn't think that like, I'm like, oh, my tech never breaks or I don't have trolls instead of thinking about those things and then going and fixing. But I've also learned that I need more white space. And so we didn't have, what what does that mean? Yeah. So I just like to fill my calendar and I think that I can do it all, not just in business, but in life. And so like in January, it was Riley's birthday. We went to Disney right after that. I had a launch of conversions for clients. Then I went to San Diego, then Canada, and then came right back and was like, okay, now we're going to launch Serve Scale Soar, but also I'm going to be moving into a house at the exact same time, which we didn't technically have to move into the house as quickly as we did. But I was like, of course we can do that. And so just learning, like, I'm not superwoman. Like I cannot be in 10 places at once and giving myself some like breathing room in my calendar. 
does that go back to, do you think what we were talking about earlier, where you're compensating for something? You're like, I have to be go, go, go. Otherwise, X, Y, Z. Or yeah. is it just more of like, I just, I enjoy the process. Yeah. So I think with this one, I conversions for clients. I'm so grateful that I have that program now and it's helped so many people, but that was created after like trying to overcompensate family things that was going on with my extended family. Mm -hmm. And so that was an undue stress that I didn't need to put on my plate in January. And I moved my launch to February because I was launching with so many clients in January. And then I ended up creating a whole course in January and February for that. And so it's just serve scale soar is like my passion. I love it so much. And so I was thinking like, I'm just going to have all the energy in the world for it. And then life happens, stuff happens and you don't plan for it and you don't necessarily have the energy for it. So I think just having that wiggle room, we just finished recording conversions for clients this week. And it's mm -hmm. like, I went from one whole process to another and I could have like just get, given myself some breathing room, which has made me look at my calendar and think projects that I wanted to take on and be like, do I actually need to be doing this? So yeah. So what does white space look like for you? Because for some people, it's just like putting a two hour block in a day during the week is their white space. Maybe that other people it's like, no, I want to, I want to have two hours a day. Other people are like, no, I want to put a week in every quarter or whatever. What does that look like for you? I think for me, it's more about like white spaces with launching or promotions or how many clients I'm going to take on at a time. It's mm -hmm. more about like the workload that I'm going to allow myself to have at one moment because then I found like, I haven't been able to go through a course in three months. Like, and yeah. that's something that brings me joy. Like I love to go through courses and learn. And I'm like, good Lord, I haven't been able to like look at a course <laughs> yeah. in three months because I haven't allowed myself to have that type of white space. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's not so much about like weeks or days. It's just about how much launch stuff I'm going to take on either for me my clients and what my yeah. workload looks like. And then also there's things that I should be handing over to someone else to do. Yeah. Is that hard for you to do? I think are you, are the, you a control freak? No, actually like Stephanie and Janessa will tell you I'm like the most hands off person. I don't micromanage because we have the systems in place. I think what's hard right now is I'm supposed to onboard a social media manager, but I don't have systems in place. Mm -hmm. So I haven't onboarded her yet because I'm like, I don't want to bring you on and then just be like, here, go do like, we need systems first. Yeah. So I think that's the hardest part is like, I'm not on social media all the time. I can post a story, no big deal. But thinking about a process for like scheduling posts and stuff like that, it's like, uh, I don't have the white space for that. So yeah. like just creating space where I can bring in other people to help me. Where did you become, you know, you and I joke about this. So for everybody listening, I think everybody knows that you love ClickUp, right? I do. Yeah. And so Brandy got me into ClickUp recently, just in the past couple of weeks. And I geek out about this stuff. I've tried, you name a project management tool, I've tried it. I told Brady I want to give ClickUp a big virtual hug because I love it. But anyway, you've shown me your systems together, specifically like how Airtable works with ClickUp. And I love it. And again, like I love all that stuff. Where did you pick that up? Like how did you become such a systems person? And, you know, I love the fact that you're like, you know what? I don't want to bring a, a social media person on yet. Like I want to, but I'm holding off because I don't have the systems in place to do it. I want to make sure this is in place first. I wouldn't do that. 
and just because I'm like, you know, boom, let's do this. But it makes much more sense to have those systems in place. How did you become so, you know, into the systems and stuff? I feel like it started when I was like 14. So I've had a job since I was 14. And then in college, I had two jobs, plus I double majored and minored. And then I went straight to law school. And Wait, in- you, double, you double majored? And, and minored. minored. <laughs> yeah. What? I didn't know this. What With two jobs. So I was history and international relations with a minor in African studies. Oh my gosh. What were you like thinking you wanted to do? Law school. Yeah. All right. We're going to come back to, so you didn't even, you didn't even want to practice law though, is no. what you told me. Correct. It was more of like, oh, I can do law. I want to prove to myself that I can do law school. Who does that? Like, uh, but yeah. you went and did it and you went to a really good school for law school. Yeah. And, and then yeah. I went to law school, but during law school, I joined Mary Kay. And so it was like law school all day, came home in rush hour traffic, sat down with a list. You don't know this because I was talking to your integrator about this, but yeah. I had a list of names that I purchased from David's Bridal and would cold call and book appointments for an hour and a half after I got done with being at law school all day. And then on Saturdays and Sundays, I would go and hold parties from sunup to sundown and then Monday, go back to law school. I've always like had to have systems in place to support like what I was doing. And then when I was a director in Mary Kay, it was like I had my clients, plus I had a team that I helped coach. And so I had to have all the systems to manage all that. Like I was selling so much product and Mm -hmm. so like systems to support the customers. And so I think like I've had had to have systems because of time since I was 14. Yeah. I had no idea that you were selling Mary Kay. It's part of my story. It makes complete sense though about the systems though. Yeah. And so now you just click up, use Airtable, use Voxer for like immediate stuff. Anything else that you use? Dubsado. So Dubsado runs, that's like how you pay your invoice and stuff like that. Contracts, all that kind of stuff. But my team doesn't use that. That's just me. And then we use Airtable, Voxer and ClickUp and Google Drive. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's the biggest challenge that you face in the business? Being patient. Like seriously, I think that's my biggest thing is knowing like everything can't happen when I want it to, no matter how hard I want it to. So like even in today, I was listening to a podcast and I go in, I'm telling my husband how frustrated I am about this podcast. And Rick tells me I have to wait and be patient. And this is just one of those things that comes with patience, but I want it now. Mm-hmm. My husband was like, you sound like that girl on Willy Wonka who turns into like the blueberry because she just wants it now. <laughs> and I was like, but that's how I feel. Why are you like that? Why do you think you're like that? I don't know. I just feel like, I think there comes a point where like, I've now changed my opinion. You don't have to work hard to make more. Like I got that, understand that. And that's why we have systems in place too. So I don't have to work as hard, but there comes a level where it doesn't matter. I think how much you put into it doesn't mean like you're going to see that return right away. And I think that's why I like ads because you put it in, you get the return back. Like it's very black and white where Mm -hmm. there's some things like in your business, it is just a time thing. Like you can't just fast track, like you can get there quicker than other people, but it's not something that happens overnight. And that's frustrating. It's interesting to hear you say that because about 30 minutes ago here in this interview, you told me that you enjoyed the process. You enjoyed the journey. I have. Yeah. Because you love what you do. 
I do. Do you think that that's kind of like a, a little bit of a paradox because you're like, you have this goal and you're like, I want it now, but yet you're saying that you like the journey. So I think the thing that I get impatient, I'm not stressed about that. It's not like I want it now. Like I'm not throwing a temper tantrum at that. It's more Mm -hmm. about visibility. So that's something, and we've talked about this, where like, you know, I'm not, I don't want to be an Instagram star. It's not like that type of thing, but like that takes time to build the right relationships. And Mm -hmm. just like, I know it's me showing up more on Instagram and stuff like that. But that's something that being seen as a thought leader doesn't yeah. happen overnight. And it doesn't matter what I like, like I can't, can only fast track that, but so much. So what are you doing to do that? What are you doing to position yourself as that thought leader? Well, I think the first thing is like the podcast. I love the podcast. And mm-hmm. I just started that because of course you told us to start a podcast mm-hmm. and It was something that I could easily hand off. I didn't have to be super involved. I could talk all day. So like that type of stuff, it was just an easy way for me to get. And now I'm finding like people search virtual assistant or social media manager, and there's not a lot of us there. So my podcast comes up and that's been really great. I show up on Facebook lives a lot. So like Mm -hmm. I am doing that part, but there's definitely more that I could be doing in terms of ads. I definitely need to show up more on Instagram and stuff, but also I make an effort to get to as many conferences as I can. And so I think that's helped a lot, just getting in front of people and purchasing courses, not just for the sense that like, I really want to go through the course like I do, but to build a relationship. And so with not expecting anything in return, like, Hey, I'm going to purchase this course. And all of a sudden we're going to be BFFs, but purchasing the course, going through it, getting results and sharing those results with the course creator. That's been a big thing for me as well. As a course creator yourself, as a membership creator, you, I mean, you see the other side of that. You like, you have students, you're like, Hey, share with me the success that you're having because look, it's, it's as a course creator, it's what we, it's why we do what we do. We're in this to have an impact and help people. And when we can see the real life fruits of that and we hear from them, that's what it's all about. And that was one of the first things that I learned years and years ago with like, I think it was uh, Derek Halpern years ago said like one of the best ways to get on people's radar is to share with them how their teachings or their expertise or their whatever it is, their content has helped you and then share that. It's a great way. I feel like it was just my like Southern upbringing that you're supposed to tell people thank you for everything. And so with Abby and the virtual savvy, like I showed up in the group and I supported her group. And then with you, I remember I sent you a Instagram message that I think now gets sent out in emails and it like, Hey, listen, this is what your course has done for me. And thank you. And I did not expect anything in return for that, but just like sharing with the wins and thanking people for creating this because if you didn't create it, who knows where my business would be. Yeah, exactly. Something I actually, I, I have no idea the answer to this. Do you have a morning routine? I don't. I think morning routines are a joke. And I think not for everyone, but for me. So in direct sales, they told us that we had to be like 5 a.m. morning people and you have to read the miracle morning. And I tried all that. Mm-hmm. That it just didn't work for me. And I like tried and tried and tried and really wanted it to work. But like 5 a.m. before Riley, after Riley, 5 a.m. is not a good time for me. And so I like to actually wake up when we wake up. 
So we don't set any alarms. Riley's usually our alarm, but that's anywhere between seven and eight 30. And we just wake up when we wake up. And then, you know, sometimes I work out in the morning. Sometimes I work out in the afternoon. Sometimes I drink coffee like or 11 or 1130 at night. Yeah. So I, I do try to get in my office by nine because I do find that nine to 12 is like my sweet spot. Mm -hmm. And then at night, my brain is functioning really well at night. So that's when I like to get into courses if I can just to watch that. But no, I don't have a morning routine. I like let the day come as it does. So you don't get going until somewhere between seven and eight 30. Like we don't wake up and then I usually try. Yeah. And then I usually try to be in the office by nine. Holy cow. Do you have any vices? What do you mean vices? Like, well, like, like, you know that I'm a coffee snob, right? I love coffee. Not, not that it's a bad thing, but like, I gotta have, but I'm not like that. Oh my God, I have to have coffee. I just like truly enjoy it. Right. right? But like, do you have any, like some people they are like, Oh my God, I drink six diet Cokes a day or whatever. So here's the thing. Yes. I used to drink diet Dr. Pepper a lot. And we still have one, but I'm down to one a day. Like I could quit Dr. Pepper. Yes. I love it. I always have. So so I was drinking way too many of those in December, how people smoke cigarettes. That was me with diet Dr. Pepper. But it's one of those things that I can give up like that. Like I went from drinking four a day down to one. And if I wanted, I could give that up now too. So I really love good reality TV. Like the trashier, the better. I've been watching MTV since I was like 10 years old and we still watch reality TV on MTV. I love the Kardashians. I love reality TV. You bought their butt machine or whatever. Yeah, it's not theirs, but they promote it. And I got targeted with an ad and it was really good. But yeah, like we really like really trashy reality TV. Have you seen Love is Blind on Netflix? No, we don't have Netflix. Oh. We have cable. We're those people. You don't have Netflix? No. Why? Who doesn't have Netflix? I don't need Netflix. I got cable. (laughs) So we have Disney Plus. Surprise, surprise. Of course you do. Yes, we do. We have Disney Plus, but we only get Netflix when Ozark, the new season of Ozark comes out. Oh, I know of that show. I've never seen it before though. Yeah. So that's the only time. What's your favorite TV show of all time? Oh, all time. Oh yeah. gosh, that's hard. Either True Blood mm. or Nip Tuck. Amy, wa- my wife watched Nip Tuck. I never, oh, I never gosh. got into it. I know, I know of the show, but I never got into it. So good. It's trashy drama, but I do watch Grey's Anatomy. Like I've been watching it since the very beginning, but I pretty much love anything on HBO, Showtime, like Shameless right now. We're binging Shameless. Oh, I haven't seen that one. I mean, oh, I know yeah. of it, but I haven't seen it. Do you watch Homeland? No, because that's you watch like, those types of shows. No, See, that's that's my type of show. No, I like like shows you wouldn't think that I would like. It's like the Kardashians. Everyone's very surprised when I'm like really obsessed with the Kardashians. Wait, don't um, you watch Real Housewives? No, I don't watch Real Housewives. I think that's like older, <laughs> like not. But I don't think like my peeps watch that. <laughs> Do you, are you open about watching Kardashians? Yeah. If you're not, you should be. I mean, like, it's not like, hey guys, I'm watching Kardashians. I do tell everyone. So I do watch live PD. That's like my jam. Every Friday and Saturday night, you will catch us watching live PD. And Instagram and everyone does know, like people have sent me like live PD stickers and stuff. I used to watch live PD. I love live PD. Then before we moved in in the place we used to live in on July 4th in 2019, a bunch of cars got broken into in our garage. 
and like they clipped the it's a long story like i actually saw the guys with their masks on on the security and it freaked me all out yeah and i actually stopped <laughs> i stopped watching live pd after that because i was all wigged out but yeah i love now it we, now we live in like the truman show we so live we like live now bubble. where 60 year olds live like it's all retired people well you live in florida no, but like Period. where we were on the other side, it's like super hip and young and everything. And now we live with where like the 60 year old retired people live. But you manifested that. You oh, told yeah. me that you were like, I want to be closer to the schools are that you like you, you want to be closer to an area where you want I wanted to- a neighborhood. Yeah. And yeah. we definitely live in a neighborhood. I thought it would be on the other side. We're close to the beach. It's great. And, and you wanted husband. a house and yeah. you wanted the backyard. Yeah. I mean, this is like my dream house. Yeah. And didn't you say that you, weren't you telling me that it's like you had gone to this area to like look at something or whatever. And then like a week later, this opportunity comes up. So no, we just, I was feeling, I think we had had our mastermind call on Monday and we mm-hmm. talked about the co-working space and I was still like, oh yeah, yep. wishy-washy on if I want to do that. And then Wednesday, and you talked about getting your creative juices going. So I was like, I've been feeling uncreative lately, like just a little stagnant. And so I was like, let's go look at homes. Like we still have seven months left on our lease and I didn't know we could get out of it. And we went, we saw the place, we saw three places. We liked another one, but they had like bear rugs and Gucci heels. And so it was really hard for me to like envision my like Toms in there. Like I couldn't be like... (laughs) We watch the Kardashians. Yeah, but that's not my thing. Like, no. That day we like asked about our lease. They told us what we could do to get out of it. Then we signed the lease that night that we looked at it. And seven days later, we were moved in. I love it. We just moved fast. Not surprisingly, you take action on stuff. Yeah. All right. My final question for you. Okay. What is something that people do not know about you? Aside from like Mary Mm -hmm. Kay. I didn't know about that. I think my listeners know about that. Okay. What's something that even the listeners don't know? Hmm. I don't know. Uh, we've moved a lot. <laughs> I don't That's know. More. All right. I'm going to give you a second to think about that because I, I forgot to ask you a question. Okay. I do want to ask you, what's your favorite book that you've read? I get asked this a lot and I'm always like, oh my God, because I'm a big reader. and I'm, I'm always, I always draw a blank. But what's your favorite business book? that has had a big impact on you that you could recommend for your listeners? Maybe you talked about it before, maybe you haven't. Yeah, so I am not, I've read so many business books. Now, once I had Riley, it kind of slowed down and now I get more of the audible. I have never been someone who's like, this book impacted my life so much. Like, I'm just not one of those people until Atomic Habits. And that's only been a few months. And it's just dramatically like how he shows examples and just the whole thing thought process. But that being said, my second favorite book that I used to recommend was The Power of Habits. Mm, yep, I just yep. like knowing how our brain works and how we work as people. That's always very intriguing to me. And then, yeah, so I would say Atomic Habits. So I have to read that book. Yeah. And I told yeah. you that James is a, is a good friend of mine, James Clear, who wrote that book. I've actually, he's one of the very first people I met in the online space. I've known him for like, I don't know, seven years now. And he sent me an advanced copy of it. I have not read it yet, but I've heard such good things about it. What is it about that book that you like so much? I think it's just how he really gets into real life situations, but then he also makes it so you feel like 
oh yeah, I can do that. And he shows different examples. So the power of habits is very like corporate driven where atomic habits is more of if you're an entrepreneur, you're a solopreneur, you're a corporate, like no matter where you are, he gives Mm -hmm. different examples. And then he also like makes you feel okay about, oh yeah, I do do that. Like it doesn't feel like he's like shaming you. He's like, it's okay that you do that. But here's like how you can change that. And he's not saying drop all your bad habits right now. He actually tells you, you're not going to get rid of your bad habits. They're always there but he teaches you like ways to work. So one of them was mine coming back was I don't get a diet Dr. Pepper until I get on the Peloton. So it was like, okay, you're either not going to have soda or you'll get on the Peloton. Either way, it's like a win-win. So just teaching like how to incorporate habits that you're already doing, the habit stacking and things like that was super powerful. Even if you don't use them to the fullest, because I don't use like the full methods, it's helped me like just look at the things I'm doing and evaluating like why I do them and how can I change them? Do they need to be changed? And knowing that like drinking a Diet Dr. Pepper isn't a bad habit. He talks about there's not bad and good habits. They're just Mm -hmm. habits. And so if there's one you want to change, then change it. All right. You sold me. I'm going to have to read it. Yeah. Like I take pictures of it at the Amazon store and I send it to him. Because he's got like 2,000 plus reviews. I think it's amazing. It's so good. I'm so happy for him because he's wanted to write a book for a long time. I think I'm going to put you on the spot. I think that you should give away a copy of that book to one of your listeners. Oh, okay. You should do a little contest. So think about it. Okay, yeah. We'll <laughs> put that in the it. outro. <laughs> put that in the outro. So guys, stay tuned in the outro. Brandy's going to share with you how you can win, how she'll send you a copy. I will. Yeah. Atomic Habits. All right. We're going to finish up with, I gave you like four minutes to think about it. What's one thing that people don't know about you? Okay. So I think that one thing that my listeners would not know about me is that I come from like super blue collar family. Like my mom was a stay at home mom. My dad's a truck driver, best people ever, but not in the entrepreneur spirit at all but they've always been so supportive of the things that I did, even if they didn't understand it, like having going to law school, but then being a Mary Kay sales director, like that was hard for them to comprehend. And then leaving Mary Kay behind when I was eight months pregnant, not knowing what was going to happen to that. So I think that's the big thing is like, I learned a lot about just making things work on your own. And I think that's been the biggest gift that my parents have given me is like, now I know things can just happen, like manifesting and stuff, but it's also like believing bigger. And they've always taught me like, you can do this. Like we believe in you. You're meant for more than your circumstances and things like that. And so them teaching me just to go after whatever I want. But yeah, I don't think a lot of people know that like super small town, super blue collar family worked for everything I've ever had. And now it's been fun just enjoying it. Love it. I love it. I want to thank you for being so open and so vulnerable and sharing this stuff. I can tell in your body language that you've relaxed. And I could tell this a long time ago, actually, in our conversation. We've been going for a while. Guys, everybody listening, Brandy had no idea what I was going to ask. And in full transparency, (laughs) I had no idea what I was going to ask either because we get on and I had thought she was going to interview me. But doing this format is something that we talked about a while ago. and I just completely forgot. And so we hopped on Zoom and she's like, all right, do you have your questions ready? And I was like, oh, oh this is that interview. And I'm like, all right, cool. I can, I, you know, I'm, I'm good off the cuff flow. 
You so did do good off thank the Thank you for being so vulnerable and open about and sharing. I think that I've had somebody do this for me on my, my podcast and this type of authenticity and vulnerability that you just displayed during this interview is what so many people can connect to. So thank you for allowing me to interview you and for being back in your show. Always a good time. Thank you so much. Okay, y'all, that episode was not the easiest episode for me to do. I was pretty uncomfortable in the beginning, and Rick knows a lot about the behind the scenes of my business, like more than most anyone else that I know. And so I'm so appreciative that you just took the time to listen, and like Rick said, I should give away a copy of Atomic Habits because it truly is an amazing book. And so instead of giving away one, I'm going to give away three. But here's what you have to do to get the book. We're going to need you to take a picture of this episode. And what I want you to do is head over to Instagram and tag at Brandy and Company and at Rick Mulready. And we'll link both of those up in the show notes. But I want you to head to Instagram, tag both of us. And let me know what your biggest takeaway was from all of this. And we are going to pick three winners at the end of this month, and you will be getting a copy of Atomic Habits. So go on, make sure you take a picture, tag at Rick Mulready and at Brandy and Company for your chance to win one of my favorite books of all time. And go out this week, serve your clients scale your business, and soar into that six-figure year you deserve. Thanks again for tuning in to the Serve, Scale, Soar podcast with your host, Brandy. If you loved our podcast, please be sure to leave a comment or review and be sure to tune in next time.